Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. We're continuing tonight in our worship series called Deep Water, wherein we are contemplating our baptisms together. And the logic of this series works like this. In these early chapters of the Gospel of Luke, the foundations of Jesus' ministry are laid, but they're only laid down after his own baptism and his empowerment by the Spirit of God to do and say exactly This, this being whatever we find in these stories about his early ministry, such that we begin to imagine that our own baptisms could be expected to produce just such priorities and understandings in our own spirit-filled lives. We're reading tonight from Luke chapter 6, the second half of that chapter. It's a continuation of the Sermon on the Level Place that Remy read for us and preached on last Sunday, beginning in verse uh, 37 of Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. And he also told them a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take that speck out of your eye, when you yourself don't see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. See, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, grapes are not picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good. The evil person out of evil treasure produces evil, for it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them. The wise man built their house upon the rock. The wise one built their house upon the rock. The wise one built their house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. This is Jesus. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. Rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm. And the foolish one built their house upon the sand. The foolish one built their house upon the sand. Foolish one built their house upon the sand. 
And the rains came tumbling down. Whoa, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went splat. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's, it's like Jesus was afraid we wouldn't get it. Or, or maybe he just understood what a huge percentage of our limited human processing power is consumed by our constant need to evaluate the other guy or gal or non-binary pal, our addiction to assessing the relative goodness or not so muchness of our fellow human beings. Maybe he noticed the vestigial capacity for sizing up danger from unknown hominids that our evolutionary biology bestowed on us. Maybe that's part of what he learned about humanity during his sojourn with us, that we are constantly, energetically grading each other, separating the proverbial sheep from the goats as if we were the Lord himself on the day of judgment, as if it were ours to do. So... Stay in your lane, he advised whenever he got an audience big enough to make the long version of his stump speech worth it. You've got one job, my fellow humans, my dearly beloved, and figuring out what's wrong with everybody else ain't it. Or, in language closer to Luke's reportage, don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and you'll be given to. Like when you ask a neighbor if you can borrow a cup of sugar. Do they give you a scant cup, barely enough to finish your recipe? Or do they share a generous measure, pressed down and shaken to settle so they can fit more in, sugar spilling out over the lip of the jar, so you've got more than enough for your baking? That's how God measures sugar. That's how God measures you, with generosity, born of kindness. So if you have to measure other people, you should measure like that. But maybe, as often happened when he wandered off into parable land, the faces of his congregation showed they didn't quite get it. I mean, it's deeply ingrained, this habit of criticizing and condemning and condescending and calling out. Religion in every age has been co-opted for people's desperate need to bolster their own self-assessment by pointing the finger at someone else's perceived shortcomings. I don't think Jesus' audience 2,000 years ago was also different from his audience now, searching their sacred texts and traditions for signs that our way is the right way and everybody else can go to hell and probably will. So he tried again. If you understood your own blindness, by which I mean a kind of self-centered nearsightedness, a cataract of the heart that clouds the clarity with which you imagine you could see the heart of anybody else, well, then you would know better than to insist that anybody follow in your footsteps as if you've got it all figured out. You ever heard of the blind leading the blind, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, follow me 
is something I can say, Jesus said, but y'all probably should not try that at home. And then he tried again, this time with a joke from the carpentry shop. Did you hear the one about the guy who got sawdust in his eye? And a voice behind him says, here, friend, let me help you with that. I'm really good at seeing sawdust, finding small, bothersome things in other people's eyes. Only when the first guy turns around, his eye already watering so as to wash out the sawdust in due time, he sees that the second guy can't even get very close to him because, <laughs> wait for it, because he's got an eight-foot two-by-four jutting out of his own eye. I don't know how it got there. Just go with it. So the first guy backing up says, oh, hey, friend, I'm fine. This sawdust will wash out in just a minute. And the two by four in the eye guy is all, it's no trouble at all. I'm just here to help. The grown-ups groaned and the little kids laughed. He was really on a roll and he wasn't near done hammering home his point, carpentry pun intended. I think the mistake you're most likely to make, he said, has to do with your limited vision, spiritually speaking, of course, because you can't, you cannot see into the hearts of people like God can, but you tend to judge people as if you can. But trust me on this one, all you can spy with your little eye is what people are doing with their lives. When they show you who you are, who they are, believe them. Because figs don't grow on thorn trees and grapes don't sprout on a bramble bush, am I right? You look for the fruit of people's lives. You look for the life well lived, for the fruit of God's spirit. You look for love and joy, peace and patience and kindness and generosity, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. That yummy fruit, it cannot grow on an evil tree, I'm telling you. He needed to stop for a minute. His throat was raw from so much talking. Take five, everybody, the disciples announced, and Jesus accepted a skin of wine from one of his friends. And as he closed his eyes, hoping to center himself with a few rounds of deep breathing, a sharp, stinging vision of days to come disturbed his peace. In his mind's eye, he saw these very people, the ones with him on the plane, the ones waiting eagerly for his closing remarks, these very people, but behind his closed eyes, he saw them turning against him judging his own life as somehow set against God. All of them with two by fours in their eyes. All of them blinded to the good fruit of his life. All of them quite certain they stood with God by standing against him. And he saw how through the ages, generations of his followers would mistakenly appoint themselves arbiters of what does and does not measure up to God's expectations for a life well lived. Generations of the religious bearing his name, wearing his cross, 
declaring their own righteousness by decrying the sinfulness of certain others, too blind to recognize the good fruit of beautiful lives lived in love and joy, peace and patience and kindness, generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Claiming God's favor for themselves by denying it to so many of their neighbors as if God only had so much kindness to go around. His eyes flew open. Friends, listen to me, he called with new urgency. You come out here to hear me today. Some of you are even taking notes, I see, but I'm worried that I'm not really getting through. Every day you are alive, you are building your life. You are becoming what you are supposed to be. But if you go home tonight and play that compare and contrast game in your head, if your dinner table conversation includes your critical assessment of anybody else's life, if you are making mental notes right now about who in this crowd is most likely to need God's maximal mercy relative to yourself, well, it's like you're building your life on shifting sand. I mean, if God's judgment works like yours does, you'll never, never feel like you have a sturdy foundation to stand on. Don't build your life like that. Build on your certainty that evaluating people is God's job, not yours. And on my assurance that God does that with compassion and generosity and love, the likes of which you have not seen among human beings till now. God judges like I do, which is to say you are all dearly beloved, all of you alike. You can build your house on that. You can build your life on that. And whatever storms come your way in this life, you are going to be unshakable. You will stand on a foundation that does not shift with religious doctrine or neighborly gossip or even your own fickle appraisal of self-worth. Hear me well, friends, Jesus said. Hear me well and then do as I say and as I do. Treat each other the way I've treated you. Hmm. Oh, Baby Rinley, <laughs> how I would love to tell you that after all this time, we have finally got it right, have finally achieved the generosity toward each other and our neighbors that Jesus insisted on. How I would love to assure you that you will grow up in a world or at least in a church where the most religious are the least judgmental, where your own life will flourish and flower while we wait, not with judgment, but with eager curiosity to see who God has in mind for you to be. I trust your mothers, Rinley, to make this true, as true as it can possibly be in this world, helping you find safe haven while you grow. And tonight, our little church is pledging to be one of those safe havens for you. But we know there will be other places other not-so-safe spaces where your becoming will meet resistance, 
where some will claim to know already exactly who and how you ought to be. So you see the trick, dear Renly, will be to allow God's own spirit in you and in the people you learn to trust to help you navigate all while not becoming the thing you are most trying to avoid. This has been the hardest part of Jesus' teaching for many of us, we confess, releasing ourselves from the judgment of others without becoming judgmental of them in return. All I can tell you is, sweet baby, that it is the work of a lifetime, (laughs) both the steering clear of the ones whose religiosity claims far too much certainty about the hearts of other people and the heart of God, and not tipping over into our own stiff-necked certainty about the ones who are so horribly certain. (laughs) Jesus didn't say it would be easy. He just said we're meant to do it or die trying, which I suspect will be the final verdict on my own attempt. She died trying. That is the good news for you tonight, Rinley, and for all of us. Because it turns out, you can find companionship for your trying. A whole bunch of us actually doing our ongoing work of building a life together on the strong foundation of God's good measure of mercy, packed down, shaken together, running over. And we've always got room for one more around here, and today it is you. Welcome, Aaron Lee Soleil Kimenow. Yours will be a life well-lived, although it will not be up to us to assess that. We're just happy to come alongside you while you build it. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.